Galatians chapter 6. Looking tonight at the message, reaping exactly what we sow. Sometimes you may plant some seeds, I think we have before, that were sorted at a uh, garden center and put in different bags. And I think something came up different than what we were planning. I don't know if it was a different type of squash or something. Uh, but when it comes to God, uh, we reap exactly what we sow. So we'll look at it tonight. Galatians chapter 6. And Brother Steve, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together here some preaching and convert. I pray you just have mercy upon us, Lord, when we do consider um, reaping and sowing. Yes. Um, Lord, we just you for your mercy tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Galatians 6, and we'll read 7 through 9. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You still have to think about it. Why do we as Christians sin? I know we're sinners. I know we have a sin nature. But why? I mean, we know better. Um, look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I mean, if we've been saved a few years or many years, why do we still sin? Don't we know better by now? Uh, James 1, let's read 13 through 15. James 1, 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of what? His own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Yeah, so the question again, why do we as Christians sin? I mean, we know what we just read is absolutely true. It's absolutely certain. Um, notice with me in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Why, why don't we learn? I mean, how many times do we have to hit our thumb with a hammer before we're more careful? I mean, if we get burnt on a hot stove, aren't we careful to not touch it? What is wrong with us? Why do we sin? Hebrews 11, and let's read 24 through 26. Hebrews 11, 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to what? Uh, suffer affliction with the people of God that in, to enjoy the pleasures of sin for what? A season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So Moses chose, even though it was going to be, mean more affliction, Moses chose the way of righteousness 
rather than the way of ease, wealth, sinful pleasure, um, he decided it was better to suffer if need be for righteousness. So we know as Christians, we know that when we do sin, it vexes our spirit. Um, The flesh is weak. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, So why do we sin? Because when we sin, we just feel rotten. We don't feel good. Um, Notice in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. In verse 7, we'll read 7 and 8. 2 Peter 2, 7. And delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Then why did he stay there? <laughs> because it was easy money. That's why he, said, that's why he chose because the, the plain of Jordan was well watered everywhere. That's why he stayed. Even though Day by day by day, it vexed his righteous soul, verse 8, in seeing and hearing um, those wicked sinners of Sodom. So, so as, as far as us as Christians, um, sometimes people say, well, I just get tired of the negative, and so I just I want to hear positive. Well, we need a balance of both. Um, it's like that in, in our cars. Our batteries have a negative and a positive post. And, you know, you can, you can take off the positive and just only do negative and no electrical flow. Or you can switch it around. Um, you can only keep on the positive. I don't know, maybe that's what I said before, but switch it anyway, whatever I just said. Um, you have to have both. Both cables have to be on or your, your car, your truck is not going to start. Um, so let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. So... We need, uh, we need a balance, but in this day and age, it, it seems like people are clamoring, especially in the contemporary movement, clamoring for the positive only. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. The Bible says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Now, there are three things that we're told to do. What's the first one? Reprove. Is reproof? Positive or negative? Well, when someone reproves you, normally you think of that being negative. Uh, they're, they're correcting you in, over something. Reprove. How about uh, the next one? What's that? Rebuke. Is that positive or negative? Negative. Now, I know you may be thinking in your mind, well, it might be negative, but it produces a good result. Well, and that's true. But So re, being reproved is a negative. Being rebuked is a negative. And then what's the third one? Exhort. Now, exhort means to stand beside someone and urge them to pursue a future course of conduct. So that doesn't have to be negative. Um, it's actually positive. Pursuing the right course is positive. So, um, so two-thirds of what he's told to do to preach there is negative. Reproof, rebuke. But a third is positive. So you may say, why is that? Do we really need that much negative and two-thirds and only one-third positive? Um, well, 
God wants us to be reminded to not do things. Even though, you know, sometimes we talk about alcohol. You know, sometimes we may talk about rock music. Um, sometimes we may talk about people involved in drugs or child trafficking or abortion. All kinds of things. And you may say, well, you know, maybe you've never been involved in any of those. And, well, praise God. Um, but it's easy in this world um, to get accustomed to things. And then they don't quite seem so bad. I'm noticing Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. God wants us to be reminded of, of the deceitfulness of sin and, and to be careful. To be careful. Hebrews 3, 13. The Bible says, but exhort, and there's that word again, exhort one another, how often? Daily. While it is called today. Okay, why? Lest any of you be what? Hardened through what? The deceitfulness of sin. Now, if you were to go out right now and start hoeing, how many of you would have to wear gloves or you'd get a blister? Well, depending on how long, but yeah, if I'm going to be out there a while hoeing, I would need gloves on or yes, I'll get a blister. Um, so it's, it's easy to become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Um, the, when we were down in Haiti, and the, uh, I guess it'd be the last time I was down there, they had, uh, well, we had gone down there with a group and poured cement, a lot of you guys. And then he, Brother Wall wanted me to come down later when they had a dedication for the Bible Institute. And so when I went, they wanted to etch the cement on the floor to put like an epoxy type coating on it. And the cement needed to be roughened up a little bit, just had a surface that would grab. And so um, they put muriatic acid on there. And I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with muriatic acid, but my dad, I can remember just as a little boy, <clears throat> when he would lay brick, like uh, in one instance, the, I guess the first time I remember it, uh, it was for our own house, and he decided to lay brick on the outside of the house. And so it was a darker red brick, and so the mortar would get slopped on some of the brick, and of course that didn't look good. So when he was all done, he would get a brush, and brush muriatic acid on there, and it would just dissolve that mortar, that dried mortar, and then you'd spray it off with a hose. If you've ever smelled muriatic acid, it's, uh, it's a smell all of its own, and you will respect that smell uh, because you can see what it does. It just eats away. We'd throw little pieces of mortar into a pail of it, and it just fizz. I mean, it would just just dissolve it right away. And I'm trying to think where I was going with that illustration now. Um, well, maybe it'll come to me. Um, so being hardened through the deceitfulness of, of sin. Okay, um, let's go then to Ezekiel 3. Ezekiel 3. 
Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 20. <clears throat> I guess maybe with that illustration is that um, if you smell that smell ever, you would never um, stick your hand in a pail of muriatic acid because you, you would know the, the bad result. Oh, I know what it is. Back to Haiti. So in Haiti, they were putting muriatic acid on the cement. And so I'm wearing boots, you know, spreading it around. And these Haitian men are walking barefoot in muriatic acid on the cement. And I said something to Brother Wall about, um, you know, like, what about tomorrow with these men and their feet? And I don't know what he said, but it was like their feet are extremely tough because they, they never wear shoes. And, uh, and it's true, I did not hear one of them complaining the next day, but it just, I'm thinking, oh my, that's what you call hardened calluses, let me tell you, to be able to, to be in muriatic acid. I, it was just seemed unbelievable to me, but they survived doing that. But, so God wants us, lest we be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, and we need to be tender toward the things of sin, that is, to realize that they're hurtful, that they're harmful, and not to get used to sin and think it's okay. Um, so then in Ezekiel 3, let's read 20 and 21. Ezekiel 3, 20 and 21. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn who? The righteous man. That the righteous, what? Sin not. not. And he doth not sin, he shall surely live. Because he is warned, also thou hast delivered thy soul. So verses 20 and 21 are talking about warning the righteous not to sin. So so sometimes you may think, well, whatever the topic is, you might say, well, what does that really apply to anybody here? Well, hopefully it doesn't apply to anyone here in the present tense, uh, but it's, it's helpful to give us a healthy fear of that thing and to not get involved in it in the future. Um, so we don't want to be dis- Deceive. God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let's consider the life of Jacob. Uh, Genesis 29. Genesis 29. And so we'll start in verse 18. Genesis 29:18. And we'll read through 25. Now, in this instance here, you've just got to feel so sorry for this guy. And what he's about to face. It's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine how Rachel felt during all this. I am sure she didn't sleep a wink that night, but cried all night. No doubt about it. But Genesis 29 and verse 18. 
Genesis 29, 18. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah's daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was who? Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? It just, if you feel so sorry for Jacob, and you've got to feel sorry for Rachel. I mean, they had waited seven years for this moment, and Laban tricks Jacob. And under cover of darkness, he slips Leah in there. And what, what a horrible thing here takes place. But when I was reading my Bible through, I was reading through this passage again, and and I've, I've always thought about, well, Jacob reaped what he sowed. Um, he deceived his dad, pretending he was Esau. But I never um, fully grasped that he got exactly what he deserved. He reaped exactly what he sowed. Um, in uh, chapter 29 here... Um, uh, verse 23. Um, so, and it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. So, in cover of darkness, and then in the morning to find out um, it was not Rachel, it was, was Leah. Um, and then I got to thinking, Wow, this is pretty astounding, because if you hold your place here, turn with me, please, to Genesis 27. Genesis 27. I guarantee you, if Jacob would have known what faced him in the future, he would have never done what he did in Genesis 27. In Genesis 27, 1, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were what? dim so that he could not what see so this is no doubt cataracts i mean if you're around someone that is getting cataracts their eyes get dimmer and dimmer i remember brother verberg he he got had pretty bad cataracts until he got them worked on but i remember him walking in this door right here and um he said something about it being dark in here and he saw someone over here, and I think it was Brother Barry, and he was kind of squinting and was, was trying to make out who that was. And that's what cataracts do. It clouds over the eye until, if left 
alone, it'll dim the eye to the point where a person can't see. And so the Bible uses that word, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. And then if you go down to verse 18, Genesis 27, 18, And he came unto his father and said, My father, and this is Jacob, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am who? Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is what? Jacob's voice. But the hands are what? The hands of Esau. His mother had that all figured out, how to make that come to pass. Verse 23, and he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, art thou my very son Esau? And he, Jacob, said, what? I am. I am. <clears throat> he tricked his head. His dad's eyes were dim. He could not see. So under cover of darkness, he pretended to be who? Esau. And he deceived his dad. And I always thought in my mind, you know, what happened to Jacob? Yeah, he, you know, he deceived his dad. He got what he deserved. But I never stopped to think God had him reap exactly what he did to his dad. He tricked his dad under cover of darkness. His dad couldn't see and that is exactly what Jacob reaped. Jacob was trying to pretend to be his brother, and he did it under cover of darkness to deceive his dad. Jacob reaped the same thing from Laban. Laban used the cover of darkness to deceive him, thinking he was marrying Rachel when in fact it was Leah. I just wonder how long it took Jacob for that to really sink in. I mean, at first he's mad. How could you do this to me? You know I've served you seven years for Rachel. But I just wonder how long it took that to sink in. You know what? The exact thing I did to my dad, under cover of darkness, switched two brothers. God has caused me to reap that exact thing. I guarantee you, if he could have gone back, he would have never done that. Just thinking about uh, one of the biggest decisions of life after salvation is marriage, and then that he would get tricked in that. Um, and so, I, it just, it never hit me. Maybe you would meditated on that before, but I mean, I often knew, yeah, he, he, he reaped what he sowed, but I never thought about it. He reaped exactly what he sowed, exactly. And um, 
You know, so the warning of Ezekiel is to, to warn the righteous not to sin. So we have here just a very clear example. Are we thinking about um, deceiving someone or are we thinking about sinning against someone? Do we realize that in the future, other than by God's grace, we could reap exactly what we put upon someone else. And you know what? In Jacob's mind, uh, yes, the, the blessing was important to him, but not nearly as important as getting the bride that he thought he was getting. So when it comes to sin, uh, let's close with Psalm 119. Psalm 118. Just, just a thought for us tonight. Why, why do we as Christians sin? Well, because we have sin natures. Yes, but we don't have to say yes to our sin nature. Why do we sin knowing full well that we are going to reap from that sin, and the reaping from the sin is going to way, way outweigh the pleasure or the joy or the benefit of whatever sin, the reaping of the consequences is, is going to always outweigh whatever we thought the sin was worth. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are who? the undefiled in the way, who walk in what? The law of the Lord. Blessed are they that what? Keep his testimonies. And that seek him with what? The whole heart. They also do what? No iniquity. They walk in what? His ways. We all know that those things... and. We all know that's the right way, but I just thought tonight, as I was pondering that about Jacob, just something to keep on our minds. Uh, that if something comes along to us, uh, some sin of who knows what variety, let us remember what happened to Jacob. He was... He reaped exactly what he did to his dad, only in a much greater degree um, in, in his wedding. Um, his dad's blessing was wonderful, but not nearly to the extent of his decision in marriage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord. We we are but sinners saved by grace, but Lord, we don't have any excuse to still be sinners. We've been forgiven of all of our sin. And Father, I, I just pray that you would help each of us to remember what happened to Jacob. For the moment with his dad, it, it seemed like he was coming out the winner. He got the blessing. But in the end, oh, 
how he must have sorely regretted ever doing that. For him to reap that exact same thing, being tricked in darkness and the switching of, of uh, instead of brothers, the switching of daughters. Oh, how that must have torn at his heart. And Father, I just pray that you would help us um, to walk in your way and to not be defiled by sin. We know sin is never worth it. And if we could only just think, if we go ahead and do this sin, we could reap the exact same thing back only to much greater degree and, and, and in something much more important to us. So help us, Lord, to be a holy people that you can use, that you can shine through. Lord, that's, that's what we want. We want to be a holy vessel that, that has an impact on people for good. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.